Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast, episode 36, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. Thank you very much for finding this podcast and listening. I truly appreciate it, and it's making me very happy that some of you are getting other people to listen. I hope that you enjoy and continue to enjoy my uh, little podcast. My guest this week is Melanie Scott, and she's going to chat about Paddington. But first, in some doggy news, most of us have heard about therapy dogs and the great work that they do in hospitals with patients. But um, the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center has now gone a, I guess, a little step further, and they have employed Shiloh, and he is a three-year-old golden retriever. Uh, he's come through a program called Buckeye Paws, and he's there to support the hospital staff. So he gets to work with or the doctors and nurses in the high trauma areas of that medical center. So well done, Shiloh. Now we're going into the Christmas period, and whether that relates to the next story or not, I'm not sure. But uh, police in British Columbia in Canada uh, were called after a car uh off the road and ended up in a ditch. When they attended the scene, the woman told the officers that the dog was the one behind the wheel. The attending officers did determine that the lady was under the influence of some alcohol. She was fined and had her license suspended, but the dog did not have to provide any breath samples and he was free to go. And now this week's interview. Well, welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. How are you this evening, Melanie? I'm great, thanks. Yeah, really enjoying the uh, being back at work and uh, enjoying the sunshine lately. The weather's been great and, yeah, really enjoying getting out and about. For those listening, Melanie is down in Melbourne and they had a long, drawn-out lockdown period so <laughs> might touch on that a little bit later <laughs> <laughs> yes it was a very long period of time and yes so i can't believe it's christmas and yet it seems like we've had a decade since last christmas <laughs> <laughs> okay i believe we're going to be talking about paddington tonight Yes, we are. So Paddington is a five-year-old German Shepherd cross Rottweiler and I got him from the Lost Dogs home when he was about 11 weeks old. 
Mm-hmm. So I was just going to say, take us back to just before you got him and the whys and hows of how you guys met. Yep. So I had another dog before that, Maxie. She was a German Shepherd cross and she passed away probably about a month and a half um, before I got Paddington. And then um, I started looking for some other dogs. Uh, a lot of the puppies were interstate and I sort of just wanted a medium-sized dog. Didn't matter if it was male or female in good health um, with a pretty good temperament that I could try and train up myself um, as an assistance dog for my post-traumatic stress to help get me out and about a lot more. Um, so then I came across Paddington and went and had a look at him and he was like, yeah, super confident, boisterous, um, cheeky, didn't really seem to be scared of anything. Um, and I thought, oh yeah, well, I'll give this dog a go. And, um, yeah, I mean, he definitely has lived up to his name. I, they had that name for him in the, uh, the lost dogs home and, yeah, he has gotten up to quite a lot of misadventures and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he he definitely lived up to the Paddington Bear um, stereotype, that's for sure. I was going to ask who, who named him. <laughs> yeah, no, that the shelter, the whole litter was named after um, teddy bears. Oh, okay, nice. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they all look like little teddy bears. Mm-hmm. So how was um, how was the initial meeting? Oh, it was good. Like we went out the back of Lost Dogs, um, and with one of the staff, and just you know, like threw a threw a ball around a bit. The other dogs were barking. He didn't really seem that worried. So we were just there on the grass doing like a meet and greet, and um, yeah, I just was expecting to sort of just like have an assessment of him. Um, and then, you know, like half an hour later, I'd walked out with a puppy in my arms. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, it, um, so, yeah, it went pretty quick. It, yeah, things progressed pretty quick. Um, but, no, he, he's, he was um, a really, yeah, um, sweet little dog, heaps of energy, um, heaps of go in him. I really liked him. Um, yeah, and, yeah, hit it off with him pretty much straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was just a, yeah, a really funny little funny dog. Very funny. <laughs> He's always doing goofy stuff. And every time you try to take a photo of him, he'd always have like his eyes closed and his mouth open. It's just like one of those, <laughs> one of those goofy photos that every time you try to take a photo of him, it always looked, um, he always looked really silly and goofy in it. Um, but no, that's just his personality. He's just, um, yeah, always, um, you know, mucking around, you know, pretty easygoing mm-hmm. um, in terms of, um, you know, his personality. And then as, like, the as the time went on, um, he became, like, quite uh, anxious and timid around 12 months of age. So that um, significantly changed. So it's actually the dog that he is now – um, there's no way that I would have picked that from when he was a puppy because it's like almost polar opposite. Um, wow. So, yeah, so now he's got um, like a lot of anxiety issues and that sort of thing and is medicated to help that. 
Um, but at the start, he was like the most boisterous, confident, overconfident puppy I'd ever seen. Um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, you don't really know how they're going to turn out and develop, even though you can put a massive amount of work in. Sometimes um, the genetics and stuff doesn't really uh, work in your favour, but I still love him and we still do a lot of stuff together and, <laughs> you know, I don't um, intend on giving him up anytime soon. But, uh, yeah, he can be challenging. <laughs> I think at times they all can be a little challenging. <laughs> oh, yes, that's for sure. <laughs> How was the initial transition into your house when you got him when he was the, during the first couple of months? Um, it was pretty good. Like it, um, he was the only pet that we had at that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, we've got um, we've added to the um, number of animals. Um, so he was the only one at the start. So he was able to get um, the attention that he needed and the training and all that sort of work. Um, and then as, so I think it was mainly just trying to stop him from, um, sliding out from underneath the fence because we had a bit of a gap between the, um, bottom of the fence and the, and the ground. So like he was so little when we first got him that I then had to like, that was the main thing at the start was just puppy proofing the yard going over. Um, going over everything again, puppy proofing everything because I hadn't had a puppy for like 14 years. Um, so it was quite a shock um, to be going back to, you know, um, mouthing on things, chewing things up, digging, you know, the waking up through the night, all that sort of stuff. Um, when you haven't done it for quite a long time, um, yeah, it was quite intense and there were some evenings um, where he would run up and he would be barking. He would go to bark at something through the window, but then he would just decide that he would want to swing off the curtains instead. <laughs> so we, so, um, so there was a few um, curtain rods and stuff that um, didn't really make it through. <laughs> Didn't really make it through the puppy, the puppy phase, um, but we managed to get that under control. Um, and yeah, so I'm not sure what the neighbours thought when they would drive by, and he, you'd see this like puppy hanging off the, off the curtain, swinging in the front window <laughs> as I come running in through the other room to grab him. Um, so you know, even trainers have uh, have difficult. Have difficult training days, that's for sure. <laughs> how was he with the? Uh, how was he with the clothesline? Oh, at the start, he he pulled clothes off the clothesline. Yeah, <laughs> um, for sure. And then I had to just we didn't hang clothes out for about three or four months, and sort of <laughs> gave us that time to to break him of that habit. Um, and then he was supervised. And now he just doesn't care at all. So it was just that initial phase and I just needed like a stopper. Um, so I just didn't have the clothes hanging out for a couple of months. He kind of forgot about it. It wasn't that much excitement anymore. And But no, he used to run from one side of the yard to the other and it didn't matter how high you'd hung something up, he would run from one side to the other, jump and then swing off the object and then jump down and then keep running. And then come run back the other direction and then jump up, swing off the sock or whatever it was, and then jump down and keep running. Like it was just um, 
it was pretty intense. Like he had a massive he had a massive jump on him. Um, but yeah, I wasn't ever really impressed when I came back and you know you'd have all your clothes in the mud. <laughs> 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 have to rewash them. Um, but yeah, he only did that a couple of times before I was just like, no, nah, I'm just hanging stuff inside now. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't want to have to keep rewashing everything all the time. And yeah, but fortunately, um, we broke the habit and we don't we don't have that problem anymore. Thank <laughs> goodness. Because um, yeah, it was a really frustrating. <laughs> it was really frustrating and just um, like it was. It would be funny, like. If it wasn't your stuff, yeah. <laughs> and you, like if you saw it on a video, like it'd be hilarious. But you know, when you know that, then you've got to go out there and like pick it up and then rewash it and then hang it up again. It's not really that funny, but <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ah, nice. Um. So, at what age did you start doing like a, a more specialised sort of training with him? Um, well, straight away I started doing like the obedience training and that, um, but then you sort of work in some more of the like assistance type skills, uh, fairly early on. Um, probably I started training a lot of those things at about six months of age, but the obedience stuff I started pretty much straight away. Um, yeah, but like things like um, to rest his head on my knee um, and to um, put his paws up on me to like do like a block where he stands in front of me or stands behind me. That sort of stuff took between like um, when he was six months old to about 12 months old Um, because a lot of those involve other elements of um, obedience like the front block and back block and stuff involve having to do a stand position in front of you so you've got to do like a stand stay um in the front and then at the back so um there's quite a few steps involved in that so you can't really expect a really young dog to to be that um steady in doing that sort of stuff so i started off with the easier things first and um, built up to the to the harder stuff. Um, but yeah, he really enjoyed um, hitting the light to turn the light on on the floor. So we taught him how to do that. Um, yeah, so he really enjoyed um, he really enjoyed working and stuff like that at the time. Like he loved showing off for his um, tricks and stuff like that. He always loves loves doing it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, he used to hit the hit the floor light because that's one of the things that you do to alert you when you're having a nightmare. So I trained him in nightmare um, detection and stuff. So it was like if you're having a nightmare, he'll turn the light on and then um, jump on you to wake you up. So, um, yeah, so I trained him to do the light and then to come to me. Um, yeah, sometimes he would just hit that light with so much force. Like, like yes, I'm not sure how it remained in one piece, like those little touch lights that you get from Bunnings. And, yeah, he hit it so hard I thought he was going to break it. But, yeah, he used to just get really into it. <laughs> so I think um, half the time maybe he was w- wanting me to have a nightmare just so he could run over there and, like, jump on it <laughs> with all his gusto in the middle of the night. Um but, yeah, and I think it made a big difference just um, for your confidence when you're going out and stuff if you've got something else there with you. Like, 
um, if you don't have another person there, if you've got another dog, you know, it gives you a sense of um, comfort mm-hmm. uh, to have something else there with you. So that helped as well um, to be able to get out of the house more and um, to, yeah, want to be able to get out of the house more because I had to do the training with him. So that was like a more motivation as well to to be able to be going to, um, you know, parks and places that I didn't really go that much before, but I had to to, to give him um, some training. So that would motivate me to be able to push myself to do things that I wouldn't normally have done mm-hmm. um, and just to give me that extra confidence, I think, to to be out mixing and talking with people and that sort of stuff. Um, but, no, definitely before I got him, um, I would be too scared to be um, doing, like, public speaking stuff and um, things like that. So having him around really, um, like, help, help give me the confidence to be able to go out and talk to more people and, like, I don't think that my business would be where it is today um, if I hadn't have spent that time um, doing all of that stuff with him because I'd still be too shy, I think, to be interacting with people on the level that I need to. Um, so, yeah, so I really think that all of that training um, really helped me more than it helped him, which, you know, is often the case, which is why we have the dogs in the first place. <laughs> yeah. I think it's help, helping each other and um, it's – it's, uh, you're not the first person that I've had an interview with to say that uh, a dog that they have had has basically changed the way that their, their career and their life has gone and if and it would have been something totally different except for having that particular dog. Yeah. And that's um, like my previous dog, Maxie, I wouldn't have had the confidence and the ability to do that without her, the dog training course. It was it was her that enabled me to do that, and then Paddington took up the baton from where she left off, and like took that, um, and took that then to the next level for me to be able to use the skills that I'd learnt and apply those skills, um, and yeah, go out more into the community and that sort of thing. So it's like a progression with each dog; it's kind of um, evolved. Am I sort of right by saying that, I mean, uh, dogs are very intuitive and they pick up so much as, as you and, and a lot of people know on the minute changes that we have through either body chemistry or, or expression and the training for that particular or different kinds of assistance is really sort of harnessing the way that they, they perceive us and, and see us? Whereas a lot of, uh, say, if you say like a, a normal pet, uh, a normal dog owner wouldn't necessarily have the need for their dog to notice those subtle changes. Yeah, that I think, sort of makes sense. Yeah, I I think all the dogs um, pick up on all of, on the changes. The difference is that we hone the skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and just shape the skills into what we actually need. The dogs know that we're upset or anxious um, because they can, like, smell the pheromones, like, on us and, you know, they 
by our mannerisms and that sort of thing. Um, they know that we're stressed. Um, we're, we're just showing them what we want them to do in that scenario. So that often helps the dog um, because they can be quite anxious when we get anxious. Um, Absolutely. They, and they, that then feeds their anxiety. So then if they know and have a job, okay, well, when my person does this, I'm meant to put my paw on their leg or whatever it is. Like once you train them how to do it and to, to pair the two together, um, you'll actually find the dog settles. Like you've just got to give them a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they know their role, um, it makes it a lot easier for them. So, uh, yeah, so a lot of the time the dogs actually perform better and are more settled um, when they know what to do when their owner is um, feeling stressed rather than just running around not feel like they feel that anxiety but they're not sure what to do. And because they can then do something to help that person's anxiety, the person's anxiety will decrease and therefore the dog's anxiety will decrease. So it's it's like a um, circle that you've just got to um, try to break that break that anxiety cycle down. And, you know, you say to them, well, you say to the people, well, you know that, you know, we're doing this with the dog um, to help your anxiety, but, you know, like you also need to be able to calm yourself as well. So it's not just about the dog. It's about you being able to, to calm yourself as well because, Dogs can do a lot of things, but, you know, they're not the be-all and end-all of treatments. You can't just solely rely on the dog to do all the work. Like, you know, you still need to be able to be doing a lot of this work um, to help yourself and that as well. It's not just up to the dog. Um, Like, they're great and they can do a heap of stuff, but, you know, there's limitations as there are on any on any form of treatment. So it's always important for everyone to realise that, um, yeah, having a dog doesn't fix everything. It can fix a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, yeah, getting getting a dog um, that's assistance trained um, isn't going to solve every single problem. It's an ongoing process. It helps you manage the condition. Okay. So... Um so going back to when Paddington was younger, what was his favourite games or toys? Mm, he loved squeaky toys. So um, he just loved squeaky toys and um, tug-of-war games. Mm-hmm. So they're probably his favourite. Um, and he wrecked a lot of toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he, he he went through quite a lot of toys just because of his, like, rough play nature and that sort of thing. But, yeah, he would just love the squeaky toys. He still loves them now, um, mm. just squeaks them so fast that they just make this, like, the noise is just so fast. I'm not even sure how he can move his mouth that fast to make it squeak that fast. But, um, yeah, squeaky toys, without a doubt, they're his favourite. The soft, fluffy, squeaky toys. And being uh, the the Roddy Shepherd cross, are there certain aspects of either of those that sort of come out that you can see at different times? Um, yeah, I think the uh, the timidity a bit has been the a bit more German Shepherd, uh, and his stubbornness has definitely been more Rottweiler. <laughs> um, he, I think. Um, 
He's, I think he's generally more like got the German Shepherd personality. Um, like he can be a little bit protective and stuff, but um, when push comes to shove, he doesn't really, you know, push back that much. Um, but he's a, he's kind of like a bit of a gentle giant in a lot of ways, um, but just a bit of a stress head. But I think, um, you know, that <laughs> that can be like through some like poorly bred shepherds is, can be quite common. Um, but no, I think he's, um, I think generally he's like, yeah, he's, he's a pretty funny, like, you know, nice natured dog to be around. Um, and yeah, like the colouring, his markings are absolutely gorgeous. You know, you always get lots of comments about, you know, how much of a beautiful dog he is and stuff. He definitely has um, like a really soft coat. So it's um, not really the short coat like a Rottweiler. It's more of a longer type coat and it's very, um, it feels very much like a like a shepherd. Um, yeah, very soft and silky. He's got a real, um, quite a long tail. But then it can, if he's really overexcited and barking at stuff, it can curl right up over his back like a like a Rottweiler. Okay. Um, and yeah, so when he gets super excited, we say he's got full squirrel tail because <laughs> it just curls right around like a squirrel. Um, yeah, and like the the um, yeah the tail hair and that's just absolutely magnificent. Like just when it curls around, like the yeah, it just he looks yeah. It looks great. Like, yeah. <laughs> with the, this is just a, a bit of a sidetrack question, but do you think there's much of a difference with a dog's coat and the human touch and for people with anxiety that there's a, that different sensations with the different coats? Yeah, I think so. I, um, it also depends on what your preference is as well. Um, mm -hmm. Often... Understand um, that. Often people uh, really like the like the poodle type coats and that sort of thing, especially um, for people who like a lot of people on the autism spectrum seem to to really be drawn to that. Um, but yeah, like the it's just the act of patting the patting the dog. It just releases um, you know endorphins fast, and it's a relaxing feeling it's just a real um it's almost like a form of meditation i think that you don't really have to think about anything Actually, else yeah. and yep. you know you can just feel the dog breathing and just feel the texture of their coat and um yeah like it's um it's a really relaxing experience and it can help you in like mindfulness activities and that sort of thing so that's how they can help with um when you're having anxiety attacks and that sort of stuff, if you focus on the dog and just things like touching the dog and just having the dog there and stroking the dog can help you bring you back to um, the present as opposed to being trapped with your thoughts. So it can actively help you um, come out of that anxiety attack. Um, so going... You said he started around about the twelve-month period. Started having a little bit himself. Does that mm -hmm. was it sort of like a gradual type thing, or did it sort of 
happened no, a bit it was more very sudden. Very sudden. It was very, very sudden. Yeah, it um pretty much escalated from not much to full blown um, fear in about a week. Wow. So um, it started off with some kids teasing him on a bike on a walk, and then it just the fear then just escalated from that one event to everything with wheels and then strangers and then it just like it was like this cascade of um uh fear that was just completely out of control like it spiraled so fast like it was honestly about a week he went from being okay to being a complete basket case of nerves that must Uh, have been really hard for you as well yeah, it was um, really scary to see him um, so frightened so quickly and for me not to really be able to calm him and then it just escalated. So then something else would be making him frightened and then something else would be making him frightened and it was just like, when is this going to stop? This was just like um, it was very difficult to sort of understand. It was very sudden. Um it, yeah, so it, it spiralled really, really quickly um, and didn't really get – like it got a little bit better, but, um, yeah, like it's never really recovered back to like a normal level that it was um, before that like, particular incident. But I think that maybe he was like predisposed, I think, to, to that sort of thing um, for it to have had such a, a massive – um, impact from such a tiny mm. uh, event. But, I mean, his brother is quite anxious in that as well, so there's a lot of similarities between the two. Uh, we met one of his siblings and the similarities in their fears and stuff it was very striking. Um, and they'd never met before and that, and we'd never met their owners. So it, there's definitely something <laughs> There's definitely something there. Um but yeah, it it was it was very alarming, and I was very worried, uh, very very worried um, about him, um, and what what that meant for me, what that meant for him, um, how I could try to to manage it, um, you know, what I was going to do. I was very um, was very very concerned um, about you know how to manage it, and I yeah spent probably like next two years. I think, um, really intensively trying to train it out of him, getting other trainers' advice and experience and training with them. And, um, yeah, so I put a massive amount of work trying to turn it around, but I just, you know, it. we just couldn't, um, we couldn't change it. So I just had to accept that, you know, this, this is the way that he is and, Mm-hmm. Uh, we added some medication on top to try and help him, which has helped a lot, um, and just continue with the training that he can do and, um, you know, just make it as good as we can for him, I think. You know, um, there's not much that I can I can do. I can't obviously take all of the fear away and that sort of thing, but i just got to manage, manage him and, you know, be happy with, the company and that that he provides me. So, you know, it doesn't mean that I love him any less. Um, just that he doesn't do the um, job that he was originally, you know, bought for. But, you know, 
I still get cuddles from him when I'm at home. We still get to, you know, go for a walk and do that sort of stuff. It's, you know. I guess um, that's just a, a, a change in routine in, instead of going for walks when it's more, sort of like more populated or at the end of, say, school time, it would be going for walks where there's less likely to encounter anything like that. Yeah, to a large degree, um, because if he sees a bike or a scooter or a skateboard or something, it just throws the whole walk off. But we seem to live in an area where you almost always see one of those things on every single walk. Um, Yes. (laughs) So, yeah, it's just trying to limit it. Um, I don't really take him walking around school time just because there's just too much traffic, too many little kids squealing and, um, yeah, it's a bit too chaotic. So it's usually like before school or um, later in the afternoon after when people are starting to come home from work. But, um, yeah, so there's still people around. I don't, like, have to walk him in the middle of the night or anything. But, um, yeah, he's yeah he's more manageable with the medication than he was off the medication. Um, but, yeah, just trying to manage so then he's not seeing too many bikes or they're not too close to us um it's the only time you know that someone will come riding along and then all of a sudden they'll decide they have to change over the side of the road right near where you are just as you just as you get there and you know um that sort of thing so there's always unexpected things that happen doesn't matter how how well you can try to plan um plan a training session things always happen so you've just got to work with what what you've got um, at the time, really, there's not much else that you can do. So it's, it's I'm sort of hearing it's almost like a a reversal sort of of roles between the two of you, where he was meant to assist you with the anxiety, and now your focus is really sort of assisting him with his. How how do you sort of like feel that sort of is sort of like in in your head? Do you think that sort of helped you? Um, I think it's definitely helped in terms of, um, my own training, um, techniques and that I've had to learn a lot more, um, to try and manage him and just had to pursue a lot more different training tacks and, um, tools and all sorts of stuff that, um, I hadn't come across or even thought of before. And now um, when I get clients with difficult dogs, I know pretty much what to do because I've had to do it myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, and then it's like if that doesn't work, then we do this, you know, because I've had to already do all of this stuff, you know, over the last couple of years. So um, it has given me significant experience in terms of that. Um, but it does make me quite uh, – it does make me a bit sad that, you know, he's not the boisterous, confident dog that he was um, because I would love for him to be able to just get back to being, you know, um, comfortable and not stressed. Um, but, uh, yeah, in terms of learning new skills and knowing now how to handle a lot of these other dogs, then, yeah, it's definitely been a massive learning curve um, that I don't think I would have even uh, had, like, 
a tiny proportion of that. Um, if I hadn't have had Paddington's issues, uh, so it definitely prepared me very well for um, some very difficult dogs. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> so you mentioned now you have another dog in the household. Yes, I do. I have Hamish. He's a twelve-month-old pug, and I grew up with pugs. And when I was, I wanted to use him for therapy work for um, mainly autistic kids and for school kids with like learning disabilities and visiting nursing homes and stuff. Um, so I needed a dog that was going to be quite placid, but I also needed a dog that was going to fit with Paddington's personality and not be challenging for him and cause him a lot of stress and anxiety and, um, yeah, I didn't want him also bullying the other dog. So it was kind of, you know, feeling threatened if he felt threatened by the other dog, what was going to happen and all that sort of thing. So um, I ended up, I got a, a pug puppy and um, at the start Paddington was actually terrified of him. Um though he was about the size of a guinea pig um, <laughs> and he was freaked out by this little thing running in between his legs um, wanting to be his best friend just like yeah I think um, it was probably oh the first two or three weeks at least Paddington wouldn't enter the room until I picked up Hamish um, okay. he was just so so scared and didn't know what it was um, and then over time, they got better at being able to, sp- to spend time together. And now, um, now they're really good mates and they spend a lot of time together and playing and all sorts of things. I think, um, Hamish still does annoy Paddington quite a lot because he's very full of his love and affection and he just wants to kiss him all the time, mm-hmm. um, which can be a bit intense for, for, um, Paddington. Um, but, I think it's been good for him. It's been good for him to have another dog there. Um, you know, it, it's helped settle him quite a lot. Um, it's made Paddington more active because he was just becoming a grumpy old man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he likes sleeping a lot anyway, but, yeah, he was becoming a real grump. And this sort of like, you know, I don't have to – um, battle with him to get him up in the morning now. It, before it was just like he would just sleep all day if you let him um, and just hated getting up. But now Hamish okay. gets up at 6 a.m. and, you know, gets Paddington up and then they're both ready to go and, you know, it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> but, Do you think yeah. the, the sleeping is just uh, maybe just a natural tendency for him or do you think it may be like an avoidance sort of thing because of his issues or can't really Uh, tell? I don't know. I think like he was always hard to get up out of bed (laughs) even before when he was a pup. Like he was just never a a morning dog. Mm -hmm. Um, He loved his naps. He's always loved his naps. Um, So I don't know. Some of it could be avoidance. but yeah, he was he was always one to be sleeping in and didn't really want to get up and you'd always have to like drag him out of bed and that to be going to the toilet, even if it was like nine thirty at night and he'd already been inside for like 
12 hours <laughs> still have to drag him out of bed and all that sort of thing. So it. So when you he, say bed, which, which bed are we talking? His bed. He his doesn't bed? sleep with me. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, he he has his own bed and mm-hmm. Hamish had his, has his own bed and um, they sleep, you know, I actually, um, I crate train them just so they're not, um, yeah, barking in the night and, you know, they're just, I know where they are, they're comfortable, they just run straight in there, jump into bed and they're asleep by the time I've, you know, gone in there and done a couple of things and I come back in and they're already asleep in bed. Um, and half the time I haven't even done the thing up yet. So it's like, <laughs> so they just can't wait to get to bed. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's more, you know, it's never a punishment for them to be, you know, in their crates going to bed or anything. It's just the, yeah, it's their bedroom. And if Paddington doesn't want Hamish to annoy him, he will just go and put himself to bed because Hamish isn't allowed in um, Paddington's crate area. So he will, um, if he doesn't want to be bothered, be bothered. He'll just go in there and put himself to bed. Oh, and nice! So <laughs> you can't get me, and, <laughs> and yeah, so he'll just put himself in there and then have a little nap. And when he's ready to interact with Hamish again, then he'll come out again and they can have a play. But yeah, it's just his safe space, really. Ah, uh, nice. Now I can also see that there's a. Uh what some people might say the enemy is also in the house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. We have two cats actually. Um, this one we got Claudia when she was two weeks old um, as a tiny little uh, like rescue kitten that we were fostering and Paddington took to her straight away. He was absolutely in love with this little kitten and he was really maternal. He was so maternal with her. Like he would groom her. He slept beside her. He got up with all the feeds. He just he just adored her, followed her around. Like he was just, um, yeah, it was very, very strange for a male dog to to be so um, protective and loving towards this little tiny kitten. Yeah, especially after the what you were saying when, when Hamish yeah, was running around. Stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah, so he just adored um, Claudia. And then um, when it came time to think about maybe rehoming her for, as she got older so she would be able to be given to a family, like we decided to keep her just because I'd become really attached to her and Paddington just absolutely adored her and she was super attached to us and she would just follow us around all the time. So, um, yeah, she would greet me at the door like a dog because that's what the dogs did and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So she, yeah, so she was like a little, so it was just, yeah, Paddington and then we got Claudia a year later uh, when Paddington was a year old and then, yeah, a couple of years later after that, then we got Hamish and then recently um, we've got my partner's grandmother uh, passed away and we've got her cat now Um so that was another introduction into the family. That was a, a more difficult introduction. <laughs> mm-hmm. So she still doesn't overly like the dogs um, and tends to try to bully them. But she's coming around. Uh, it's been a very, very slow process and extremely difficult compared to how easy it was with Claudia. Um, but, you know, it, it's getting there. Like 
cats and dogs can get along, but it it can be a, a slow, a very slow process. Mm. Um, yeah, so we've had the super close. How's Paddington coping? Not too bad. He wasn't too happy about it at the start because he loves his cat, Claudia, <laughs> but he doesn't really like the other cats around the, the neighbourhood. <laughs> yeah, so it was a bit strange for him having another cat that also hated him in the house. <laughs> so there was a lot of mutual hate going on for a couple of months, um, so we had to keep them quite separated. Um, but now they can be in the same room and he doesn't really pay any attention to her. Um, yeah, so it's it's gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it was pretty tense at the start. Um but now, now it's a lot better. But um, it's also because she would bring the fight to the dogs, so she would be constantly pushing the dogs for a fight um, and following them around, meowing at them and, you know, hissing and stuff. So, um, yeah, so it wasn't really like um, he was, like, continually trying to fight her. It was more like she was wanting to fight him all the time and he was trying to get away. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so we had to separate them both for their own for their own good. Um, no, things have become things have become a lot easier. So it's been six months since we've had the the other cat in the house. Um, and yeah, excellent. Question I ask everyone is to complete the sentence. I can't believe my dog ate. Well. Um, for Paddington, it's probably he loved he would eat concrete like um, chunks of concrete, try concrete. to chew and like yeah, chew it, mm, and then okay. try to try to swallow it. It was yeah, it was um very <laughs> it was very difficult, um, but yeah, he had a lot of like yeah, bad picking up rubbish. He would love eating like used tissues and stuff like that on walks. It was really disgusting. <laughs> um, yeah. It, <laughs> But yeah, probably the the concrete. Um, he would love the taste of the the concrete, and yeah, that was probably the the um probably the most disturbing one that he did because it's also like quite dangerous. <laughs> so it would always um freak me out, and maybe that's why he did it because you'd be like so worried when he'd grab one that you'd be running out there trying to grab it off him before he swallowed it. Um, so maybe he just did it for a game. <laughs> Actually, had I think it was about the. Fourth episode, uh, a Malamut, and yeah, concrete. Yeah, mm. the, uh, they they were having some renovations done, and the builder called up the the uh, the gentleman and said, "Oh, look, got a problem. Your dog's eating the concrete as we're pour, you know, pouring the slab." You know, yeah. going, stop, stop him. You know. <laughs> yep. No, well, fortunately, this was the dried stuff, but he, mm. I'm sure that he would love to be uh, with that Malamute <laughs> drinking straight from the uh, cement mixer. <laughs> He's always got a, um, an eye for doing dangerous things. Mm-hmm. Um, medically wise, apart from the anxiety, how has he been? Any other sort of, any sort of other issue, medical issues? Yeah, he's actually, he's got um, discoid lupus. So we had, it's, um, it's a form of lupus that, um, is a genetic condition that's triggered by all sorts of different, um, like environmental and genetic factors. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means that when he's exposed to the sun, 
his the UV makes his um, nose burn, um, and he lost a lot of pigmentation in his nose uh, and around near his eyes. So instead of it being black, it became pink, and the skin became very very thin and was bleeding easily. And um, so about two years ago. We took him to a doggy dermatologist and got him diagnosed um, with discoid lupus and okay. I had to build him a special UV-proof run out the back um, mm-hmm. that he spends uh, most of his day in when he's not inside or when the UV is lower than two. I had to get like a special app. I had to get the SunSafe app on my phone to monitor the UV levels all the time and i got to put um, some special like... Um, uh, immune system, like suppressing cream stuff on his nose each day. Um, but that has made it quite challenging, actually. Yeah, along um, when with you the, can't have a dog in the sun, it's it's very hard. <laughs> I was going to say, and along with the, the anxiety, that sort of really starts to narrow down when you can take him out and about. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, yeah it's a very narrow window of opportunity when we've got to do something. Um, I'm always like checking that and then uh, when I have to take him out when – um, the UV is higher than two. Um, I've got to put this special like um, uh, mesh bag over his head, um, which makes it look really makes him look really odd, uh, like he's going to rob a bank or something like it. Um, and I get a lot of people asking questions about it, but it's actually um, yeah, like a special um, protecting protective. Like cover from the sun, but even yeah, then, I've, I've tried sunscreen and stuff, but he licks it off all the time, and it's yeah. <laughs> I've seen the uh, mesh goggles that are supposed to sort of uh, that some people use for reactive dogs, and just envisioning mm. something a little bit like that, but bigger. <laughs> yeah, it kind of just looks like a huge fruit bag or something, a black <laughs> one that you put over their head, and um, yeah, it kind of looks like he's going to the gallows or something like. That. <laughs> But yeah, like anything in the car and stuff, I put that on him. Um, of course, that that doesn't put much attention on you either when you're out and about with him, does it? <laughs> yeah, I know people think that you know, like there's something even more seriously wrong with him. I think than <laughs> than you know uh, what's going on. But all I'm doing is just trying to not get him sunburnt because <laughs> otherwise it does like the irreversible damage. So. It's not like the damage gets undone. So, um, yeah, like they can get all like growths and mm-hmm. all sorts of like hideous stuff on their face um, just from exposure to the sunlight. Um, and over time, like, yeah, they get um, really uh, messed up faces and stuff and they can get cancer and that. So, like, I think that, you know, the steps that we've taken are, um, it's really inconvenient for a lot of stuff and it costs a fair bit to try and set up initially. But I think um, in terms of his health and well-being and stuff like that, it's definitely it's made the world of world of difference for him. Like he's actually got the pigmentation back on his nose, which he wasn't supposed to get. So Excellent. Um, that was really good. So now you can't even tell that there's anything um, wrong with him. Um, but at the start it was really yeah, very strange, and that came on really suddenly too. Like the other thing, okay. it, yeah. <laughs> I came back from hol- came back from being away for a week, and his nose was like getting pink. And yeah, it was um, yeah, everything happens within a very short period of time with this dog. <laughs> <laughs> 
How is he with the water? Oh, he doesn't like swimming. He's a bit of a a bit of a wuss. Um, I really want to get him into swimming because I think that would be you know really beneficial for him to burn off some anxiety and you know for his um, you know just being able to give him something different to do apart from just walking around. Um, I'd love to have him in the water, but he sort of only just sort of gets his ankles wet and that's about it for him. He doesn't, he's never been, um, he's never, I don't think he's actually had his legs lifted off the ground in the water. Like he, yeah, but I still remain hopeful that I'll be able to get him swimming one day. <laughs> Plenty of time. Yeah, exactly. He's only five. <laughs> yeah. Long way to go, yeah. Um, but at uh, travelling with him, done much of that or? Um, yeah, like we we have travelled a little bit, but not that much. Um, yeah, just we we don't really travel that much anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we've got um lots of other animals and that sort of stuff. So you know, it's sort of we'd only just if we're going away, we'll only go away for like a night or something like that. Um rather than having to take the pets to the kennels and that sort of thing. So uh, we don't really go away too much anyway. Um, yeah, so, yeah, travelling with him hasn't really been that much of an issue. But, yeah, in the car he travels well. Um, yeah, he's fine on, you know, a couple of hours on, you know, road trips and that sort of stuff. Um, but, yeah, no, he, yeah, we haven't really had to... Like I haven't taken him camping or any of that sort of stuff because we haven't we haven't been for look like, since we've had him, you know. Um, I haven't taken him to that done that many sort of things with him. Um, but yeah, so I think he would he would be okay. But yeah, he'd be nervous in the new environment. That would be his main thing. Mm-hmm. And do you think um, he's got a like a favourite environment outside to be in where he's more relaxed? He actually loves going to the vet. <laughs> okay. And that's his favourite place to go. Like that's his favourite destination. He loves going to the vet and he loves going to do therapy work. So he goes with one particular client that I have and he loves going to his house. Um, so that house and the vet are his two favourite places to go. They're, you know... Where he feels relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could market that in in itself for him to go uh, with other dogs to say, hey, this place is cool, it's the vet. And other dogs are going, no way. <laughs> I'll just say you introduce them and, like, if you only ever take them there when the bad stuff happens, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, they're going to hate it. But he used to go there all the time and, you know, he used to donate blood there and everything too. So he used to love just going there and getting attention and all that sort of stuff. So he had his little routine down pat. Um, but all my dogs, they love going to the vet. It's just part of, you know, what they normally do, you know, like it's not just a once a year thing. Like they go there, you know, to say good day to people. I mean, not so much now that COVID's been on, but, you know, anytime you go by, you know, you can always drop in, mm-hmm. um, put them on the scales and get them used to it just because that's like the most important um, place that they're going to have to go. Absolutely. You know, and stuff like that too. So, it's yeah. like we're 
uh, talking earlier about the socialization and yeah, mm. take your dog, take your puppies and go out and go to the vets and then they don't have this, you know, drama afterwards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, uh, they're already going to be un- under stress when you take them to the vet if there's something wrong. You just want to be able to minimise that amount of stress. Mm. You don't need to add to it. If they're already comfortable going to the vet, then the only stress they're going to be experiencing is through the illness that they're having. You don't have to be like dragging them in there, you know, they don't have to be like muzzled or, you know, they're not biting any of the staff or, you know, screaming down the consult room or any of that sort of stuff. Like it just should be part of like a normal um, experience for them. It shouldn't be, you know, something that they fear. Absolutely. You don't want it to be something for them to fear. Like, this, you know, the vets and the vet nurses don't want the dog to fear going to the vet, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's really important that the dogs do get used to going there. Um, yeah, because the vets can help with so much stuff. Like, it's not just a yearly vaccination thing, you know. And like, they're there to give advice and to help, you know. It's better that you go there, you know, if there's a little problem rather than wait, yeah, waiting wait, for it to become wait. a massive problem because, yeah, sometimes um, waiting can be extremely dangerous and, you know, if you're just putting it off because you don't want to have to deal with taking your dog there, you know. So speaking of problems, <laughs> do you want to let um, everyone know of your business? So my name is Melanie Scott Canine Training. The business name is my name plus canine training at the end of it. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I do like puppy training, dog obedience training, uh, some assistance dog work, some therapy dog work. Um, Yeah, I go and help people like assess their yards and that sort of thing if they're thinking about getting a new puppy to make sure it's safe and um, talk to their kids about dog safety um yeah just to make sure that the families are happy and healthy and correcting any sort of behavioral issues that come along and hopefully preventing some as well (laughs) well thank you very much for your time this evening it's been a very enjoyable chat about paddington no problem thank you for having (laughs) me on the show (laughs) i wish you both well (laughs) thank you Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. If you are interested, we do have a Facebook group that everyone is welcome to join. You can catch up with a few bits and pieces on there. Uh, Wishing again, everyone, a very Merry Christmas and have a safe one. So until next week, I'll see you then. And remember, your dog is family.